Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 584. Jeff is back. I am. And I'm here, and Sash is here. We've got a great show planned for you. Now, we've been looking at single board computers over the past couple of weeks. We're going to teach Jeff about what this whole giggle score, giggle cost yes. is. I think you may actually be able to step in on that. I can explain it to you, Excellent Jeff. stuff. Uh, we're going to be looking at two new boards. Well, we've got an XU4, which isn't too new to us. We've had that for right. about a year here. The uh, Odroid XU4 is an 8-core single-board computer with 2 gigs of RAM. Then we've got the NanoPi M4 with 4 gigs of RAM, gigabit Ethernet, 4 USB 3 ports, and it's got 6 cores as well. We're going to be comparing those, learning the Giggle score, and seeing how they stack up against our top winners from last week as we compare in this battle death to the death of single-board computers. We There's really, no blood. we really need like some really cool music for that. I, yes, but instead, it's our theme song. So enjoy. We've got a great show <laughs> planned for you. Stick around. This is Category Five Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful week. I hope it's been a good week. And just right off the bat, I want to say thanks to those of you who took advantage of Black Friday, Cyber Monday yes. sales. Um, you went on to Amazon through our website, category5.tv, clicked on Support Us, and then uh, shop through our partners. And there are links for eBay and Amazon and GearBest. GearBest has also had some fantastic sales as really? well. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're looking for anything for the geek in your life, that's definitely a great place to shop. Uh, but thank you to everybody who's been using our partner links. Don't forget, I mean, I think that Black Friday and Cyber Monday have kind of become a, like a two-month it's true. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, and it's still Cyber Monday somehow. It's somehow, yeah. yeah it's because they hold out, and then I you've got the, the sales free Christmas, go. and then you've it's got this the, whole marketing yeah. thing to try to get the sales away from December twenty third, yeah. when everybody wants to get home with their families and move it kind of a little bit ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, it's uh, it, it really means a lot for us uh, that you choose to use our partner links. It makes a huge difference. And coming up into uh, twenty nineteen, we want to. Sh- we want to start the, the show off really, really strong in 2019. We've got some exciting things planned, and uh, we really appreciate you being along with us. Uh, we've got a couple new patrons. Welcome as well. Cat5.tv slash Patreon. Great way to support the show just by giving a dollar per, uh, per month. Yes. That's all it, that's all it takes. I, had, I, I, I stuttered <laughs> there because it was like a dollar per show. No, no, no. It's actually a dollar per month. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's all it takes to support Category 5 TV. It's a really cool way to do it. You get access to behind the scenes um, and various other kind of backstage mm-hmm. um, videos and, and shenanigans. Yeah, text that I, you know, I take some time to type out what's going on behind the scenes. And do you still like do that. your how many characters have I typed? Since such and such date? That's on my Twitter feed. Oh, it's on uh, Twitter? Okay. What Pulse? But I, I don't really use that much, and I'll tell you why, Jeff. Okay. Because I code a lot in Nano, in the terminal. Oh, so it doesn't log it? It doesn't log it, because ah. I, I basically spend, So it feels wasted. I spend most of my time in a, a Linux terminal. 
Right. So, yeah, if I was using a word processor and writing a book, then I do really, really well with it. Right. But it doesn't, oh. it doesn't really clock all my... So I feel time. like you kind of feel the same way as I do when I go for a really long walk, but I forgot my Fitbit. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. So when you do that, do you like rig up some kind of motorized thing no, that like shakes like, your Fitbit for an hour? I feel like the steps are wasted. Like, and I realize oh, that sure. that's, but I feel the same way you it. feel with your keystrokes. Like you're how that. many characters. Yeah. I, I hate right. that when I, not, not when I forget my phone, but when I, when my battery's dead mm-hmm. and it's like, this is the day that you we're walking the phone die? My phone dies. Yeah. How? By the time I get uh, off work, it's pretty much, I get to 25% and I'm like, <laughs> Well, do you have a charger? Charge it. Do you have a charger at work? I've got a charger at work. I got a charger in my car. I got a See, charger I don't at home. Have I have a portable that. charger. I should. I have a portable charger. How do you not have a portable charger? I have the same one as you. Right. We've got this like two hundred thousand billion gajillion milliamp hour. How is it? Yes. Big? Mine's like this little box. No, ours is big. Ours and, is and big because it's got a lot of cells. And it has a, a flashlight on it too. It's it does. Handy. I discovered that, but I didn't know it at first. You know. I think I told you that. That's true. Double tap the button. Teaching you something you taught me. Our charger, though, if you double tap the check battery indicator, and I say our charger because we both got the same one at the same time. And uh, you, when you point it into it, the sky. It turns into a flashlight. <laughs> it's it starts lighting up. The, the LED turns into a flashlight. So one time, Jeff, <laughs> I, my, my backpack it was like illuminated. <laughs> and I was like, was what the heck? This is how I discovered that it had a built-in right. flashlight. So I look in my bag, and the like the light coming out of it, it was like I, I just expected, picture like a um, Disney movie or something like where you like oh, open yeah. the bag and like I your was face expecting fills the, the with heavenly like... semaphores. As soon as I open it up, oh, <laughs> like little fairies flying out and stuff. But it was like just beaming light, right. and so I, I finally found that it was my battery charger, like That's my crazy. phone charger. And I'm like, what the heck? Why is it lit up? And I didn't ever read the yeah. manual. I guess maybe I should have. <laughs> Nor did I. It's a battery charger, right? Who expected it? And so I, I'm like, so I actually ended up taking it apart. <laughs> I removed the bezel. Thank you, Sasha, for that little giggle. We're going to have more giggles later on tonight, don't you worry. So I, I took the bezel apart. And I took it apart, and I got into all the cells, and this is how I know that there's a lot of battery cells in there. I think there were like 14 of them. Okay. And, and in this unit, I follow the circuitry, and I'm like, bah, 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 bah. I'm like, hmm, I'm starting to learn how these things work, and working with Arduino and stuff like that, and I'm looking at the circuit, and I, huh, and I, I push this, and light turns off. Double tap, light turns on, double tap, light turns off. It's a flashlight. It's a bleeding flashlight. You couldn't have read the instructions. So this is why I laugh. I I laugh because, because to be honest with you, like Robbie takes things apart and understands them. I message Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, what the heck? I don't know. Ask somebody who obviously knows. Put it in the microwave. I don't know. Boil it. (laughs) I feel it's odd that neither of you would go to the manual. Well, then who keeps the manual from a battery pack for charging their phone? Right? I do. No. I, I have all it has my a USB manual. You port. and Dave. You no, and Dave all do my that. Manual. It yes. literally has a USB port that you plug your phone into. That's it. I, I, have I didn't mine. realize that the LED I, that shows you I, if the battery is charged also doubles as a flashlight. I also read them. But not for a little battery pack. I read them. Really? Yes. You, sir, have way too much time on your hands. I... I like to know what the, it says about the product so, and so that if I is, use it incorrectly, so when you down, I know how to go back to the company and say, I used it correctly. So on day one, Jeff is the guy who's like, 
Dang. This thing's also a flashlight. Yes. Right. Not two years later. Like Correct. Me, in my backpack. Yes. Well, there's always one in a group. Like in my whole family, we have one of my siblings. You've met her, Colleen. Yeah. She is the rule reader for all games. Right? So yep. if, if oh, we want to okay. play a game, she already knows oh, the board rules. Games yeah, for stuff. board games. Okay. She knows it. You She's gotta like, have one of those. When, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. one. So Jeff is the reader of the manual. So if we have something, like for example, we have the same boogie board sink, right? Yes. If I have a question, I know that you're gonna know the answer. I still so, have the so manual with have, my you don't have to read the manual. I don't. My no. boogie board sink manual is still with my boogie board. I carry it with me. You read it while you're driving. No, Ask just what so to do if you accidentally stop, drop it and the power button sticks in. Okay. <laughs> First off, don't drop it. Oh, dear me. Okay, how has everybody's week been? Any new technology news? You've been away for a couple, a few weeks. Yeah, I've been away for a few weeks. What's new? Um, on the tech front, I used an app for hunting. Really? What? I, I don't know how I feel about I this. I used an app for... Uh, see, I... When I hunt, I like the old school way, like actually walking into the bush and, you know, paying attention to the wind, feeling it on my face, all that kind okay. of stuff. And yeah, your whiskers. Y yeah. Oh, I feel my whiskers rustling this direction. The deer are coming from no, over there. No, they were frozen. I couldn't move my mouth. It was crazy. <laughs> I sent a picture to my wife. It's like just white because oh, it was yeah. all ice. Mm. But uh, no, I used the group I was with. I used an app. So we used GPS location for all of us. So we knew where we were. So, so each hunter knew where they were. That's correct. So Neat. we knew each other were so that if, you know, we're traveling into an area of the bush that somebody else noise. is, I know where they are. Yeah. We know it's the difference between man versus beast. Mm -hmm. um, the bright orange jumpsuit that you were wearing shockingly how thick the bush was you don't always see it till the person sneaks up on you oh really okay. um but i also used it for tracking all of the tracks the different type of animals that we saw and it really changed the way the hunt went to the point that we were able to say okay deer's going to come out here let's push it this way we did so five minutes later bang i'm really disappointed when he said he was using technology on the hunt any unreal tournament game of the year edition fans here Yes. Any? Not me. I pictured a redeemer. I did not. <laughs> I did not have a redeemer. No. No, I actually wanted the meat. So, but no, it was it was neat using the app. That's it, cool. It, it, it absolutely changed the way we hunt, and so now I have an accurate real time picture of the entire seven days of the hunt. So that next year when we go back, we can see if there's same if the, location, same location, the same. if the migration patterns have changed, oh, if the trails okay. are still the same. Things have really changed. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of neat. That's really wild. So that's... Yeah. But for the fact that I'm vegetarian, that's a cool story. Yeah. 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 I'm surrounded I by I just like... I want you to like even the playing field and give like the deer a phone as well. <laughs> what? A rifle. <laughs> run, Jeff. Run. Fair enough. No, I, I will deer say... is completely plastered with like ammo. <laughs> I will say the, uh, the uh, predators were a big problem this time though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah like we were being stalked by the wolves and the coyotes. Really? And they were so prevalent. Yeah, it was wow. nuts. So, huh. But technology somehow found its way into that. It did. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It yeah. really changed the way we do the hunt. Interesting. How about you? Anything new? Like... You know, not really, except perhaps that project I, where I thought to myself, oh, Cat 5, huh, I've got this. I have a, I'm in school, and I have a project due in a week and a bit Nice. where I have to do a 60-second commercial about myself. Oh, if only you had access to the resources that are required and to create a commercial. The classroom Indeed. was like... Mm -hmm. A buzz with, oh, how am I going to do this and stuff? YouTube and I thought, like, would tell you that this is a whole hour of commercial. Right, YouTube, YouTube would say that. Yes. And thank you, YouTube viewers. We'll throw in a Ginsu knife. <laughs> 
So, yeah, so all I'm going to do is, like, throw my commercial on the teleprompter since I'm a seasoned teleprompter hey, reader. Yep. Yeah, Fantastic. and Fantastic. that's it. Next week, I'm going to be ready with my homework, do a quick commercial about me, and then... Bam. It's done. kind of fun as, as volunteers here at Category 5 TV that we can utilize the resources and, and come in and yeah. do personal projects and stuff. So are we going to get to see this? Is this something that you're going to release maybe to the, yeah. the patrons? Well, why not? I mean, blog? hold on, who hold on. knows? It's a 30-second commercial. I think she 60 should, seconds. 60, well, 60 seconds. I think she needs to pay for the airtime. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except that it's a commercial. Okay, so I'm in school to be a PSW, a personal support worker, which is sometimes called, I think, a home assistant. I don't know. There's lots There's of, lots of different. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So this 60-second commercial is about why, like a little bit about me and why I should be hired by you, the viewer, who I guess is also the interviewer. Remember that year when we dressed up as severely old people for Halloween? Should I just whip out that? <gasps> Maybe you could be a severely what if I, old person. Like, dressed up oh, as the no. severely old person that I was during that episode. Yeah. Oh no. Somehow we could work that in. I'm sensing <laughs> legal issues. <laughs> Sasha cares for me. She takes good care of me. She doesn't yeah, ask see? how I am. She just tells me I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't need That's to ask cool. who you are. I'll That's just cool. tell you. I've been working really, really hard on Nems Linux. Really <laughs> excited about some of the things that are happening there. Um, we're all familiar with Nems Linux. It's a monitoring tool for enterprise. Um, so if you've got a server's hard drive that's failing, it'll let you know. If you've got internet issues or your website's down, it lets you know. It's basically designed to monitor anything right. and alert you, the administrator, as to you know something going on. You can go to nemslinux.com to check it out. But NEMS 1.5 is coming out next month. Yes, I'm so excited. Sounds like a Christmas present. It's uh, like a culmination, of, it, and it costs you nothing. It's free. Um, it uh, is a culmination of community feedback and requests, people asking for certain features, check commands, things like that. Cool. And they're all being implemented, plus some bug fixes, plus some incredible enhancements. Um, and it's going to be just amazing. And we're really working NEMS toward being the enterprise monitoring server. It's Nagios. It's, it runs on Pine64 boards, on Raspberry Pis, on Odroids, uh, and, and a growing like base of single board computers. So the single board computers that we're looking at tonight, like these can be a, a monitoring server for your enterprise network. Which is pretty impressive. Put this on your, your LAN and boom, it's telling you if there's a problem on your network mm -hmm. and giving you emails or SMS messages or uh, Telegram, um, it, whatever you you you're gonna get those notifications. Telegram is in like dude showing up at the door. Telegram. No, like a, it's an app <laughs> for your phone that that is like for right. it's an alternative to SMS, I guess. Like cool chat messaging and things like that. So it's, it's growing. It's been getting good and uh, really exciting. And that's a cool community too. Yes. So we're like all about building communities here. So. But hey, if you're in business, um, if you work at a school, I think this is really appropriate for um, education sector, government. Mm -hmm. um, I'm particularly interested, as a lot of open source ventures are, um, particularly interested in supporting charitable organizations right. and, yes. and providing a, a very economical solution. So that's why I give NEMS Linux away for free. And you can just go out and buy like a Raspberry Pi, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, this is $35 plus the case plus a power cord or and an SD nothing. card. Yeah, it, it, for sub $100, you can get most of these boards. Um, and that becomes your, your NEMS Linux server. So, uh, and then I just give you the software for free. You just put it on the SD card and you're up and running. So, you know, 
it's I love that we're sitting here talking about this and all these single board computers and I just think back to like the beginning of Cat Five. Would you ever have guessed that this would be where things are? When you started the show? No. It was never my intention, Jeff. Isn't it neat how it evolves? Oh yeah. I love it. It's fun. Well, because when this started it was just like one on one tech help. Right. My first show mm-hmm. was five viewers and they were all people that I knew personally. Right. Yeah. And then it just And super adorable. It was such a Yeah. Aww. Such a cool start. It just makes me <laughs> wonder like what kind of tech are we gonna be talking about in another, you know, eleven seasons from now? Oh my right. goodness. Yeah, like, because the show keeps evolving, keeps growing. It does, yeah. And it's it's very much <gasps> stepping stones for category five TV. Like you're a hunting that sort of stuff. Can you imagine the technology that's gonna come? Like mm-hmm. you'll put like glasses on like holographic. It'll yeah. be drone based. We won't even be here. <gasps> it's cr- yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Lots of lots of great stuff has happened over the past eleven years for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and tonight is no exception to that rule. Da-da-da. We've got some amazing stuff for you now. If you watched the show last week, you saw the single board computer comparisons. Mm-hmm. You noticed that I've still got some single board computers out on the desk, uh, but there are two boards that we wanted to match up on our list. So so far, Jeff, we've tested four boards. Okay, we're going to test two more, which is going to bring us to a total of six boards so far to hopefully tell us. Before kind of the Christmas season here as we're Who's looking for, yeah, we're looking for something that we can hook up to our home TV, maybe use it for a little bit of g- retro gaming, um, certainly surfing the web, watching YouTube and Netflix, things like right. that. And these are a great solution because you're not limited to the operating system's software. Mm-hmm. It's not like an Android box. Correct. Android box, you're like limited to region specific. I have a great Android box on my TV. I can't run Netflix because it thinks I'm in China. Because it's oh, you a need Chinese- a VPN. <laughs> I'm in Canada. I don't, but get a VPN to come up with a Chinese IP well, address. The operating system itself thinks it's oh, because gotcha. I bought it from China. Right. I never realized that, oh, if you don't buy it from Canada, it's, it's like region coded, basically, right. in a way. So these things, anyways, you install Linux on it and whatever software you want, and it's going to, to work go. with, your, with your region or however, right. so you don't have those kinds of limitations, those kind of problems. Uh, but tonight we're going to be comparing two more boards, and it's getting really exciting as we look at some of those really powerful boards. We've got the XU4 and the NanoPi M4 to compare and figure out the giggle score. We'll talk about that in just a moment's time. Stick around. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners and thank you for watching. Welcome back. Okay, last week we were looking at single board computers. Sasha, you were here. Henry was here. Jeff, you were not here. I was not. So quick recap. We looked at four single board computers. We had the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B Plus. Mm-hmm. We had the Pine A64 LTS. We had the Pine Rock 64. And we had the, or pardon me, that's the Rock 64 Pro. Yep. And, boy, 
the the wording gets confused. The Rock Pro 64. <laughs> I'm already calling these. Okay, let's. Uh, that, I'll just edit that out in post. This is the Rock Pro 64 and the Rock 64. Okay. Pine keeps doing that to me. A64 LTS, Rock Pro 64, Rock 64. And the, the size Pi difference 3. between each one is quite. Like, well, the hey. Rock 64 and the Raspberry Pi 3 are pretty About similar yeah. form but factor. When you go to the next two, it's like they're significantly bigger. They really are. But we're looking at the small form factor again tonight. Yes. And we've got the XU4 from Odroid, uh, hard kernel, and we've got the NanoPi M4, right. which we're going to be taking a look at tonight. So last week, Jeff, what I looked at is um, how do we compare these boards when they're all in, in different price points? Can I explain this to Jeff? Could you? Uh, maybe. All okay. Right. So Robbie created Giggles. Okay. Okay. My daughter giggles a lot, so I don't know if you fully created it, but... Well... You want... I wrote the code. Okay. okay. So you take the amount of money that the single board computer costs, yes. and then you take the performance of it um, separated in the really... Various categories? Various categories. Yeah, like CPU, RAM, CPU. RAM, yes, exactly. Mutex. Yeah. So... You want to make sure that your single board computer has the lowest giggle because you want to have it so that you get the most performance for the, for the least amount of money. So you're aiming for a low giggle count. Is that right? That, Absolutely. That yes. makes very clear sense to me. And as you're describing, I'm picturing myself walking through the grocery store where you see like, oh, you buy this at a kilogram and this at a yes, pound. Exactly. Like, well, how much is it per hundred grams? Exactly. That's what and I And then you know. break it down and you go, oh, that's a better deal. Exactly. So totally that's what sense. we're doing here. So we're essentially doing that kind of breakdown right. for single board computers. Um, I use the scenario and the, the um, like a fake scenario where, okay, Jeff, I've got a single board computer for $10. Mm -hmm. And it gives me 2,000 as uh, events per second. Right. That's the performance of it. And it costs me $10. Okay. Now, I've got another board that gets 4,000 events per second, but it cost me $20. So if, if I didn't know the giggle score of these systems, I might look at that $10 system and think, oh, it's cheaper than the $20 system. Right. So buy the $20. So, no, buy the $10, by, sorry, yeah, buy the $10 by the because it's cheaper. Yes. But what I don't realize, and I'm using very, very simple numbers so that the math is really, really easy to follow, uh, the $10 one is, is 2,000 events per second. The $20 one, which costs exactly twice as much, is exactly twice the speed to uh, 4,000 events per second. Right. So, giggle-wise... Giggle score wise, these two boards are exactly the same giggle score. Right, right. Makes sense. Giggle cost. They're exactly the same value for the money. So, what we've done is we've said, okay, well, with a Raspberry Pi at $35 and a Rock 64 at $45 and a Rock Pro 64 at $80, how do you factor? Which one is the best value? Right. Well, and I remember when the Odroid came out and we had that episode about being yes. the pie killer, that was the big thing. We're like, oh, it's four core, but it's like double eight the cores. price. Eight cores, that's right. Eight cores, like double gigs the price, and oh, it's so mm -hmm. much better. Right. So, same deal. Exactly, because the Odroid XU4 runs $59. That's this guy. Right. Right? So, when you've got a $59 SBC versus a $35 SBC, well, how do they measure up? Right. Makes sense. So the Giggle score will tell us. Now, last week, we got the Giggle score of the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B+, and the Giggle score is 350.9. Okay. The Giggle cost, I should say. Okay. So tonight, we're going to be looking at the Odroid XU4, as well as the NanoPi M4. Perfect. Now, when we started looking at the Odroid XU4, this was like 
bleeding edge breakthrough. We called it the Raspberry Pi killer. Yes. Why? Because this was one of the first ones that we found that had true gigabit Ethernet. It had right. it has the GPIO. It's got a power switch. It's got USB three. It's got twice as much RAM as the best Raspberry Pi on the market right now. Mm-hmm. And same thing a year ago. Still hasn't changed. Right. Um, Raspberry Pi still hasn't changed. Their brand new Raspberry Pi microcomputer has half as much RAM as the one that we looked at a year ago. Right. So um, so this one's looked to us to be, hey, this is really, really good value because it's so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. The Giggle score will show us what the value really is. Right. And so we haven't done that yet, so we've got to figure that out tonight. <clears throat> yeah, and I say that, that this was like a year ago, to say that the NanoPi M4... This is the evolution of single board computers. Mm-hmm. The, right. the Rock 64 is the evolution of where single board computers are going. Right. We're so close to single board computers, these little micro computers being a, a toss up between this and a desktop or a laptop computer. Mm-hmm. Right. When you can see this and say, I can get just as much power in this as I can for a, a $2,000 desktop, say, then you start to say, what? Why wouldn't I? This is, right. this is the way to go. Yes. But certainly we're at that point where these are, hey, set-top boxes? Yeah, I, don't, exactly. I don't have to buy that $300 computer, which is pretty fair for a set-top box, like yeah. a basic computer that I'm going to connect to my TV through HDMI right. and give me access to things like Netflix and, and YouTube and a little bit of gaming for the kids and whatever else. Um, or I can do this, the NanoPi M4, for 65 bucks. Right. Which makes sense. Which has six cores, which is, it's got four USB 3. It's got up to 10 gigabit Ethernet. Mm -hmm. It's got integrated gigabit Ethernet, but it's also got the uh, GPIO that you can connect 10 gig. Uh, It's got all kinds of other stuff. Let's get right to it. So we understand the giggle score? Yes. So BP9, the lower the giggle score, the better the value for the money. So, so far, where are we at compared to last week? Who's so far got the best value for money? So far, it's the Rock 64. The Rock 64 is the best value for the money as of episode number 583 of Category 5 Technology TV. This one has a giggle score of 51.37. Next up was the Rock Pro 64, which is the larger model, which I actually expected to perform better than the Rock 64. But it wasn't. But it it did in some ways, but it, this one, this, see, this is where you really got to watch the numbers that you get from your Giggle Score comparison, because this is a free tool that I've written. You right. can get it um, through uh, github.com slash cat5tv slash cat5tv-sbctest. Um, what you do find with this one, Jeff, and what we found last week is the CPU benchmarks about twice as fast as the Rock 64. Okay. So if CPU is what you're looking for, then that's the way to go. Then this is the one to go with. Right. Okay. Even though Giggle Score says this one is more expensive for what you're getting. Right. Does okay. that make sense? Yep. So even though the Giggle Score of this one is, is lower, which means it's the best value for the money, this one is still more powerful. Right. Okay. Okay. So don't mistake, don't mistake Giggle Score for benchmarks. We've always had benchmarks. Right. Yeah. There are tons of benchmarks of single board computers all across the oh, web. Yeah. You can find them everywhere. What we have never had is a comparison that shows us the value for the money. That is what Giggle Scores are. I love it. Okay. And Giggle Scores are Linux only, correct? 
Are they? That's or a question in the chat room. Are I they, haven't are they... the Windows version. Oh, okay. But I don't know an SBC that I would really care to put Windows on oh, okay. anyways. Fair so, enough. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So these are... That'll so and, and along that vein, yes, I've, I've opted for uh, Debian Stretch on all of these boards as I'm testing. Mm -hmm. So I wanted the comparison to be very fair. I'm using SBC uh, test uh, version 1.0 from my GitHub page. So okay. all of the tests are using the same version. And uh, so the comparison is very accurate. I'm also, I've even gone so far as buying several of the same Kingston micro SD cards okay. so that IO wise, everything is exactly the same. Right. Makes sense. All right. So we've got the XU4Q. This is from Odroid. This one uh, goes for $59. Okay. We've got these. We love them. They're powerful. They're awesome. And then we've got the NanoPi M4. The NanoPi M4. Let's get in on these so you guys can get a little bit of a closer look. I want to show you. Now, I know you can't see the board here because I've got this in a case, um, but I do love it. The XU4Q. It's got gigabit Ethernet. It's got USB 2 there, but on the other side here, we've got two USB 3s. Uh, it's got a giant heat sink sticking out the top. At least I thought it was giant until I saw the M4. It does have a power button, which you don't get on a Raspberry Pi. I do like that. Uh, other side here, let's see what we got. Bah, bah. It has EMMC as well, which is kind of cool. On my case, it's covered, uh, but there's a switch here that changes on this side here. This changes whether you're booting from SD or um, EMMC. We've got an SD port here, and that's where that goes, full-size HDMI, uh, and that's pretty cool. So that's the XU4. Now, let's look at the NanoPi M4. So that's what it looks like. We've done an unboxing on the show if you want to learn more about it. Uh, it's a little bit interesting in that, uh, first of all, the EMMC is uh, a different kind of interface. So this is the EMMC port, but you have to have the special kind of card in order to operate that. Uh, it's not going to take my standard EMMC. Power for this one is not a barrel connector like it is for the XU4. It comes in on an OTG... Uh, or USB-C cable. Uh, and this is what's interesting here, too. So when we're looking at price, we also have to factor in things like, okay, well, true, you're going to need a case for stuff. This one, I've just got it on the heat sink. But right. this one, you're going to need the heat sink. Yes. Another $7. Uh, you're going to need a power cord. But what's crazy about this one is it needs four amps. That's right. That yeah. is... So 5 volt, 4 amps. Um, good luck finding a power supply. What I did, Jeff, is I took a 600-watt ATX power supply. Okay. I adapted that to USB 5 volt 120 amp. Okay. <laughs> 120 amps. <laughs> Plugged in USB C cable, ran that to the uh, the USB C input port on the NanoPi M4, and 100 and, 100 and some odd 120 amps was more than enough to power this bad boy. I'm going to say that most people aren't going to go that route. No. <laughs> no. I also had the thought today that you could get like a laptop power adapter. Right. 19 volts, probably right. about 90 watts, which is 18 amps. Um, and downstep that, get a downstep converter mm -hmm. um, to take that down to 5 volts. Then you've got uh, an 18 amp 5 volt power adapter. Right. And then you just have to adapt it to uh, USB-C. Right. For example, like I've done here. Um, or, of course, you can just buy a USB... <laughs> or there's that. ...four amp. Yes. But it's, they're hard to find. I couldn't believe. I'm Maybe surprised. It, did it not come huh. with one, though? No. I mean, a single-board computer, you're buying this, this circuit board. You're buying the board. And then right. all of the accessories that you want in oh, addition so to that... you can't get it as a kit. Like I haven't like I know seen with the Raspberry it as a Pi, kit. It's got kits. Raspberry Pi, like, can a kit... They are I a company. Yeah, me too. And they, so they have put together a kit, and they're selling that kit. Right. Okay. But it's, 
that's them doing it. It's yes. not it's not Raspberry Pi doing that necessarily. It's it's right. Kanakit doing that. So so do keep that in mind. So this one, I mentioned the heatsink. This uh, M4 has a honking huge heatsink. Yeah, that's look awesome. at that. Yeah, and uh, we found out that this is actually quarter inch threaded, so you can put that on a tripod, Jeff. I guess though that you could create some kind of mounting apparatus to do a really cool kind of rig. Interesting. That is kind of neat, but huge honking heatsink. So let's fire these bad boys up. I want to see how these perform now. The reason we're putting these two head-to-head -head is because we understand these two boards to be really, really high performance. Mm -hmm. right. These are not Raspberry Pis. These are like the performing boards. These are the ones that we really expect to do well. Yes. XU4 with 8 cores, 2 gigs of RAM. Uh, the Nano Pi M4 with 4 gigs of RAM, 4 gigs of RAM, and, uh, and um, 6 cores. Right. Okay. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Okay, so on your left, we've got the Odroid XU4. On the right, we've got the NanoPi M4. Head to head, let's go. All right, the value is $59 on the Odroid XU4. The M4 is $65. So the test is going to tell us the value there. Wow, CPU's already done for the uh, CPU benchmark on the NanoPi M4. And that score is not too shabby. 3,063 events per second. That's higher than our top runner, uh, the Rock Pro 64, had 2,897 last week. And it's already done. We haven't even finished the CPU benchmark on the Odroid XU4. That's surprising. Uh, okay, so let's look at the NanoPi M4, which has an incredible giggle score. Can you guys see that? 50.6. 50.6 puts the NanoPi M4 into the first place spot, and the NanoPi M4 is now rated as our top performing board, but also um, the best giggle value, so the best value for the money. On the left-hand side, back to the Odroid XU4, which was screaming about a year ago, 481.1 giggles. I'm going to give you the breakdown. So that puts the Odroid XU4 at a very poor spot as far as giggle value. Right. What that tells us is that dollar for dollar, mm -hmm. the value of the XU4 is actually kind of bad. <gasps> at, at $59 US. Right. Okay. Right. So let's look at the specifications. I mentioned the NanoPi M4. The CPU result is incredible. I mean, just awesome. Twice that of the Rock 64, which was last week's winner. Uh, okay, moving along to RAM results here at $65. Uh, we have a result of 847,368 events per second, which has a fantastic giggle score. The Mutex value, 19.83 uh, events per second. And again, the giggle cost is only 50.6. 50.6. That 6. is 
great. Keep in mind, the Rock 64, which really impressed us last week, right. was 51.37. Right. So pretty close. Pretty close. So we can look at this. So the value for the dollar between these two boards is almost identical. Right. These are our top two right now. So does one have something that the other doesn't? Yes. Oh, good. And that's why comparing the Giggle score to the, uh, the actual benchmarks that is provided by the software mm -hmm. is very important. So let's look at that. They're almost identical as far as their value for the money, the Giggle score. Right. 50.6, 51.37, both very good value. This one right here, the Rock 64, can perform 1,422 events per second on the CPU based on last week's test. Yes. Okay. This one just now... This is the NanoPi M4, 3,063 events per second. So three times. Twice as, uh, two, almost three times. Wow. Incredible. S pretty significant. Yeah. So same value for the money. Yes. This one is significantly more powerful. That said, price-wise, so now let's go back to comparing. This one's $45, this one's $65. Right? right? Right. So we okay. look at that and we say, oh, well, this one seems like more value. But we know from the Giggle score that they're actually about the same value. But this one is significantly faster. So you're paying an extra $20 and you are actually getting more performance. Perfect value for the NanoPi M4 at $65. Absolutely perfect value for that extra power at $20 extra. Okay. Versus the, the Pine 64, Rock 64. Both fantastic boards. This one... Unbelievable. Absolutely yeah, that impressed. Was quick. Yes. Hmm. The Odroid XU4, on the other hand, didn't do too well. Only 261.179 events per second on the CPU. Significantly lower than any of the other boards that we looked at, except for the Raspberry Pi Model 3, uh, or the, the 3 Model B+. See, I would have thought the Odroid would have been screaming. A year ago... <laughs> When all we had was the Raspberry Pi 3. Now, keep in mind, I tested, I tested the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B+. Plus. This <laughs> wasn't out when we got the XU4. Right. When we got the XU4, it was against the Model, uh, the, the Model B. Correct, yes. So it probably performs even less than the B+. Right. Plus, okay? I would love to see the giggle score for, like, the Pi Zero. <laughs> oh, man, we just don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for that. That take weeks. Um, so keep that in mind. That was so. This is not the newest board in the universe. Okay. Right. But it did still perform a hundred and some odd, hundred and forty events per second more than the Raspberry Pi three Model B plus. Right. On the CPU, RAM wise, uh, three hundred and sixty three thousand five hundred and seventy seven events per second. So pretty poor compared to the Raspberry Pi. The RAM is in fact slower. Hmm. So that's okay. good, good to know. And the Mutex result at just 13.237 events per second. So, again, the Giggle score on this one is 481.1. Uh, so that tells us that this one is the worst value for the money right now. Does wow. Yeah. Odroid so have anything coming out that might be yeah. better? Yeah. Yeah? We'll get there. We'll okay. get there. We're not going there today. Okay. But it's coming. Stay tuned. It's coming. Uh, yes, absolutely. They do. They okay. absolutely do. Good. They, um, they need it at this. Yes. So very interesting to, to see that yeah. in reality. Like that's the reality of it, folks. So our top boards right now, 
The NanoPi M4 is in first place. The Rock 64 in second place with a very close giggle value. So the value for both of these boards are exceptional. Mm -hmm. um, the Rock 64 is $20 cheaper, so you're going to save some money. Um, but the value of both of those boards are pretty much identical. The Rock 64 or the Rock Pro 64 is our third, and we're just going to talk about the top three from this point forward and eliminate the rest. Um, so there you go. Uh, get the giggle score of your single board computer by going to um, github.com slash cat5tv slash cat5tv dash sbc test and you'll be able to get that free software for linux and do test it against the uh, uh the same software base as us which is debian stretch that'll give you the best uh, most accurate results io doesn't matter it doesn't test against the io so you're not going to affect things if you have a slow sd card or a fast emmc doesn't matter right. that won't affect your giggle score let us know your thoughts. Has this been surprising for you? Uh, yes. This is really just kind of the start of this because as new single board computers come out, we're going to be testing them with their giggle value and we've got a graph there um, that is available through that GitHub page as well. And you can see the results that have been submitted so far as, uh, as we add those. So Unbelievable. That's crazy. I, you know, I had high hopes that Odroid was going to cream everything simply because... I expected it to beat the Raspberry Pi as far as value goes because it is, yeah. so much, it is a lot more powerful than the Raspberry Pi. Keep that in mind. Yes, absolutely. Value-wise, it's less value for the money. Yeah, that, right. but that it is, shocked me. It is still more powerful. Hmm. So do keep that in mind. But now, the M4 and the ROCK 64 blast... Oh, Even yeah. the XU4 out of the water. Like See, here it's we amazing are in 2018. How quick things change End in of one 2018 year. when we're doing this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we're going to see over the next year now. We're getting really, really excited as Pine 64 uh, is working really, really hard to bring out new devices that are really, really exciting. Can't talk too much about it. We've got so, other vendors. Odroid, yes. Awesome. They're bringing out another board. They've got another board available right now. Um, and more devices coming out from all different vendors. NanoPi is getting me excited right now. There's a lot of great competition out there. Hmm. That is and they're pushing the envelope. Cool. All right, we've got to head over to the newsroom. Sasha, what do you have for us tonight? Well, here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. Google has been accused of disregarding European data protection laws when it tracks users' locations. A cache of Facebook documents has been seized by MPs investigating the Cambridge Analytica data scandal. Google's making it easier to connect Bluetooth headphones to Android phones. And the U.S. space agency NASA has landed a new robot on Mars after a dramatic seven-minute plunge to the surface of the red planet. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. Yaman. Yeah, you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost.
I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Google has been accused of disregarding European data protection laws when it tracks users' locations. A coalition of seven consumer organizations is filing complaints with data protection regulators over Google's tracking system. The complaints draw on research by one coalition member, which alleges people are forced to use the location system. Google said tracking was turned off by default and could be paused at any time by users. In a statement, the coalition said that Google used deceptive practices to make people turn on its different tracking systems. Consent, it said, was not being freely given. In addition, it alleged Google did not give straightforward information about what surrendering the data entailed. The statement warns that this location data could give deep insight into someone's lifestyle, including their religious beliefs, political activity, health, and sexual orientation. Organizations in the Netherlands, Poland, Greece, Norway, Slovenia, Sweden, and the Czech Republic all plan to file complaints to their local regulators under Europe's General Data Protection Regulation. The seven organizations are members of BEUC, an umbrella group that represents and lobbies for European consumer advocacy groups in Brussels. In response, Google said location history is turned off by default and you can edit, delete, or pause it at any time. If it's on, it helps improve services like predicted traffic on your commute. Okay, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. yeah, you know, I use my Google location and I love it. But I also that's the thing. But I also see it's tricky, right? Like yeah. I, if you didn't want your everyday movements to be tracked, then you would turn it off, and you would think turning it off would be fine. Except that I'm sure that there is a little bit of trickery in the fact that when you want to use something, it kind of m- makes you have to turn it back on. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when you turn on your location data, well, what else is happening in the OS level that is tracking you? For me, though, I love that, say, I lose my phone or someone steals my phone. I can track it down. I can find it. But I understand that the caveat with that is that Google or Google's partners, I guess, can also figure out where I am and what coffee shops I frequent and oh, yeah. where I am standing right now and, and those kinds of things. But does that bother me? I, it's such a hard thing. Like, we're in that world right now. Right. Maybe it doesn't bother me because I am... Pretty much everything about me is very socially accepted, right? Mm. So I am not in a situation where I am... Uh, affiliated in some way with something that isn't uh, yeah like i'm not trying to hide where i'm going ever like sure. ever like i everybody knows 100 percent. like privacy when you're you know you don't yeah. like it's the whole big brother scenario but is is our fear of the technology based on the movies that we've seen is it based on the thought that the government and there are regions of the world that where the government is malicious in using this kind of data I just, I joke. Or do we need to be more careful? Do we need to wise up and say, know. you can't do this? I joke with my friends that if I ever go missing, they'll know the moment I was taken because, A, I have my Fitbit on me all the it. time. Yeah. And I have my phone on me all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. Say, and it, it's not, probably not going to happen, but let's just say I got kidnapped mm-hmm. and I dropped my phone. I still have my Fitbit. Right. 
right? And does your Fitbit con- connect it can, though? It connects via GPS. Does it have GPS? Yeah, my my. Okay, so nice. no matter fancy ones. I know. Yeah. No matter what, I am going to be found unless the person who kidnaps me says, okay, take off all your tech. Yeah. <laughs> right? But by so, then we'll have chips in our that's brains. That's true. What are your thoughts on this? Because it, you always have a good opinion. Yeah, that's true. Well, I kind of feel like you guys are missing the point on this one. What is the point, Jeff? Like you're talking about the services that you use and why you, whether you would use them or not. That's not the, what this is about. Mm-hmm. This is about the fact that using said services is providing unintentional information to the company. To Google. Right. Right. So but that if, information, I can then tap into it. I can use Google's locate my phone service to find where my phone is. Right. But what it comes down to, and I mean, I'm actually in the middle on this one. Mm. I don't know how I feel about the complaint. Because on one point, their argument hinges on the fact that they're saying it's not uh, forthcoming as to how you're using location services data that Google's collecting okay. from you. I'll give so them that. I sure. get that. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. But at the same time, you know that if you turn on location services for a single app, you are giving... the OS. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the issue here is not... Uh, about what apps you like to use. It's the fact that the software itself does not compartmentalize the services that are being used. Right. If if Google was to say, okay, fine, to deal with European Union law, we are going to make it so that if you turn location services for Waze on, location services for nothing else are activated. We don't pull the information from your right. base operating system. Right. We don't pull it from your email. We don't and you need to compartmentalize the permissions that you give for each individual app and when you turn it on for the one app, it does not activate or allow the collection of data from another app. That's the simple solution to all of this. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not it's a programmer, tough. but that's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah. So I kind of see where they're, where they're coming from, but at the same time I'm going if you're going to turn on location services, the expectation is that location services are on whether you want it to be or not for everything else. And jumping right. over to our Discord, uh, the Foo says it isn't just Google that has access to that data. Data wants to be leaked. There are API failures which sure. can get abused. And Garby goes on to say most companies purposefully obscure why they need the access and especially for what they use the data. And it makes sense mm-hmm. that Google who is a data company and an information company, that is their commodity, that is their currency, the information that they're able to collect, sure. Right. It Mm -hmm. has to be useful to them. I I mean, I guess maybe I'm not in a world, so to speak, of living where my location is such a big concern. The one feature on phones that actually bothers me more than location, like, I don't care if you follow if I'm in Starbucks or Tim Hortons, whatever. My issue is when you go to download an app, it's like, we need access to your data. Right. We need access to your storage. We need to save a file, so we need access to your storage. I can't say I give you access to my storage for the purposes of saving a file, and the moment you turn on access to storage, I know everything on your phone that is collected and built into apps, they can mine that information. That one bothers me more than anything else. It's so tough. It is tough. We're at this weird time. Like, I... They just opened a Starbucks up the street from the studio. Yes. And I think, okay, well, for all the people who have the Starbucks app installed, Mm -hmm. so I go to the Starbucks drive-thru and I get my coffee, and they then see the way that I go to work every day. Exactly. And they say, 
we don't have a Starbucks along his route. And then sure. suddenly there's one that pops up and it's right on my route to right. work. And so it's like, so they open a store just for you. They did it because you are the way and I am there right. faithfully. And so and I, I just, I just wonder, is that data Everything, right. And, and I can see, well, I can oh, see the course. way that they use it to really amplify I guess your experience in life, like they oh, do sure. that, but they're also, when I was thinking about it, while Jeff was speaking, I was thinking to myself, yeah, I guess if I were to say I were to fall ill and I didn't want people to know that, but I had to go somewhere for treatments, mm-hmm. right? And now my location services is on and somehow my life insurance gets and a hold. And says that your heart is palpitating. Right. And, and Right. And then... <laughs> I mean, if that information were to get out, then then it could have catastrophic, catastrophic. But with Google, who owns that information now, would use they that do that? For the advertising Go- that you yeah, get. Yeah, but Google engines. doesn't yeah. care. I mean, they do care because they want that data. But I think at the end of the day, this really comes down to the fact that people don't understand what their personal information is being used yeah. for. Of and it's the, I- it's the idea that it's not even your personal information anymore. It's your personal life habits. Those right. are the things that are being collected. And if yep. people understood that, you know, your personal habits are what is being data collected and monetized and categorized, and that's how you are being packaged as a commodity entity, mm-hmm. I think that would change people's perspective. But people don't see it that way. They no. want convenience and they go, I, I don't know. care. You know, they see what I see. They see an email once a month from Google Maps that says, these are the places you visited. That's cool. And I yeah. love it. <laughs> it is cool. Um, we've got to move on to the next story, yeah. but please comment below. This is a loaded topic because we don't really know what is the answer. Mm-hmm. But we're going to see it unfold over the next couple of years. Absolutely. Comment below. Let us know what you think. A cache of Facebook documents has been seized by MPs investigating the Cambridge Analytica data scandal. Rarely used parliamentary powers were used to demand that the boss of a U.S. software firm hand over the details. The Observer, which first reported on the story, said the documents included data about Facebook's privacy controls. MP Damien Collins later told the BBC that he believed the documents were highly relevant to his inquiry. Facebook has demanded their return. The documents were intercepted when an executive of U.S. tech firm 643 was on a trip to London. In a highly unusual move of the House of Commons, Sergeant-at-Arms was sent to the businessman's hotel and he was given a final warning and a two-hour deadline to comply with the order. When the executive failed to do so, he was escorted to Parliament and warned that he risked fines and imprisonment if the documents were not surrendered, the paper said. The firm is involved in court action against Facebook in the U.S. where the documents were obtained through legal procedures. Facebook told the Observer the materials obtained by the DCMS committee are subject to the protective order of the San Mateo Superior Court restricting their disclosure. We have asked the DCMS committee to refrain from reviewing them and to return them to counsel or to Facebook. But Damien Collins, chairman of the Commons Digital, Culture, Media and Sports Committee, says that he believes the documents, which include emails, contain important information about Facebook and other parties and how they handle user data. 
Facebook and its founder, Mark Zuckerberg, have faced intense pressure over the social media giant's use of personal data and the spread of fake news. Last month, the UK data watchdog fined Facebook £500,000 following its investigation into the Cambridge Analytica affair. Facebook has appealed against the fine, claiming that the watchdog found no evidence that the UK user's personal data had been shared inappropriately and that the penalty was therefore unjustified. Talk about topical, considering the conversation that we just had. Yep. Right. But to think that they showed up at the guy's hotel room and said, you need to relinquish those documents that you're holding in that their locked briefcase, or else. Mm-hmm. I, uh, well. I could go on for hours about this one. At we the, just don't have the time, Jeff. You're right, we don't. I, I think in this scenario, I mean, put the paperwork aside. I think I'm not I'm not supporting Facebook or coming to the defense. I think they are the technological whipping boy right now. They I think are being made an example. One hundred percent. I think somebody who has or, or somebody's have gone after Facebook and said, "You are the easiest target to hit on this one because they've been so open about it." Right. Mm -hmm. You look at. Google, you look at Amazon, you look at all these other companies and the, and the information that they're mining from you and they're all the stuff that's being used to monetize you as an, as an entity and they are more back behind closed doors about it than Facebook who's like, yeah, you know what? We upgraded our security settings. Now you're completely public unless you say don't. I mean, yeah. they changed the whole collection of data. They were the front runners on this yep. like 15, 16 years ago, whenever it was that they came out. I think they're the whipping boy on this one. They're being taken for an unfair shake when at the end of the day, this is a massive issue that goes beyond Facebook. Yes. And I do think they're going to, like the, uh, the political entities amongst the world are going to continue to hound Facebook until it drives it into the ground. Mm. Certainly had a huh. big impact on User base, stock. People That's are dropping Facebook like it's hot. Well, it was the last straw for me. The Cambridge Analytical st scandal was really like the that news story happened at exactly the time I stepped back from Facebook. Yeah, it's like the Foo's saying about how data is just longing to be exploited and stolen and right. used illicitly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... I mean, what happens if one of those companies decides, you know what, screw you. Here's all of our files. It's gone public. Take that world. Who would do this? No, like, but, but say, say right. it gets, I mean, you want to go conspiracy theory, because that's what this is all about. What kind of information have you got on okay. us? So say, what, say the head of Google calls up, you know, the U.S. government or any other European Union and says, okay, so you continue to push this issue. We're going to have a hack tomorrow. All of your account information is going live on the dark web. Including anything you've ever searched. Right. Like, ever. Here's the thing. These no. companies own us they own us there's no way you're going to get out of it and the amount of dark secrets that people have that they'll try to hide because it's like oh, i used a privacy filter on my browser yeah okay <laughs> that just means it goes into the extra special folder <laughs> exactly like <laughs> i clear my history <laughs> the fact is we live in a world that is so open you're not going to be able to control it i just endeavor to be one of those people who doesn't have anything to I, hide. I don't. And I feel that's me. Right. But what if something like were privacy. to happen? But what if something were to happen where then you did develop something to hide? Well, 
Right. Okay, but here's the thing. It's not about necessarily anything to hide. I mean, you look at, uh, I think a while ago we talked, uh, I was telling, uh, talking about a podcast where they, in, uh, they uh, did an investigation into Facebook and how many categories that they have and yeah. the data. And it's like 57. And we've looked at it. Sasha yeah, yeah. and I downloaded yeah. my info. Right. So, but you take that stuff and the way that you use your devices, the way you use your technology, they create profiles about you. Mm-hmm. Anybody gets that information. You might not have anything to hide, but your habits and the way you do things, they can spin it any way they want. Like, the fact is, you just can't avoid it. It's, that's true. Wow, that's dark and ominous. Thank you, Jeff, Mm -hmm. for that bit of input. Sorry, I'm a downer. (laughs) (laughs) The world's about to end. You can't avoid it. (laughs) Sorry, folks. But that's why I say, like, I think think Facebook's taking an unfair kick at the can on this one. Like, they're getting beat up. (laughs) Sorry, Jeff. We're going to move on. <laughs> I'm pushing <Right>. buttons. <laughs> Give them the hook around the I feel the like back. it's oh, like at the Oscars yeah. when they start the, mu- when they start the music. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Google's making it easier to connect Bluetooth headphones to Android phones. Last year, Google announced FastPair to make it easier to connect wireless headphones to Android devices. And now the company is taking that tech step that tech a step further. Once users set up FastPair on an Android device that's signed in with their Google account, other devices that are signed into the same account will be able to FastPair as well. This allows FastPair to work similarly to Apple's W chip series that also makes it so users don't have to repair their headphones to multiple devices that are signed into the same account. Google is taking it even further in 2019 when it plans to add the feature to Chrome OS. Perhaps after that, it will come to Android TV as well. The feature works by sending out signals over Bluetooth low energy that will then prompt nearby Android phones running Android 6.0 and newer with a notification that says tap to pair with device. Google promises that it's working with tons of manufacturers like Jaybird, Anchor, Bose, and more to bring the technology to more headphones. I like that because I feel like I'm constantly having to repair my headphones. Yes. Yes, all the time. It gets really annoying. Yep. And I can't stand it when a Bluetooth device accidentally gets paired with like a neighbor's speaker system or something. Although it makes a really good gag. (laughs) I don't even... Okay, I have to hear that one someday. (laughs) We went to a, um, a New Year's Eve party at the neighbor's house down the street, actually quite a distance down the street, mm-hmm. and Dave cast it to their TV yes. d- just for the, the night, like some music videos okay, and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then he tried to cast to our TV. And it was connected to theirs. And it was still, still? connected to theirs. Oh. Now, it was like hilarious, and like it was just like another music video or something, but they messaged Dave immediately. They were like, are you trying to watch something right now? <laughs> yeah, I've done that in it's hotels. Amazing. Yeah. Because th- if you're in a hotel where they've got, uh, you know, like connected TVs, I've, I've been watching TV and had people cast to my TV. They pair it to your yeah. TV and yeah. they go to the next room. So I'm like... Nice gag, folks. Uh, okay, so I know they're a frequent flyer of this hotel. So I'm trying to cast at the same time because mm-hmm. uh, like I can connect to Plex at home and That's all that. Annoying. So I'm mm-hmm. casting my Plex stuff to the TV and... You know, so it's like, no, now I'm going to cast here, and it becomes this casting battle. <laughs> so, so I like this with, with Bluetooth pairing and, and being able to um, sync it to all of my devices. Yes. Right, and I'm getting to the point, like, I'm building up my plethora of Google devices because they're just, it's so handy to be able to use my Chromebook. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And my uh, Android phone and interconnect them together. And I've got a Nest at home as yep. well. My thermostat is a Nest thermostat, so I can control that mm-hmm. by voice operation from my phone. I can just say the term and say set the temperature to um, 32 degrees and it'll do it. So I'm surprised you wouldn't have said said term so that everybody no, can't. everybody everybody's can't house gets a I, little warmer because YouTube will crack down on me so hard. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> I think it would have been fun to do like the whole Super Bowl thing and say anyone ever asked for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day We'll do the demonstration, though, and you know all of your devices are going off. Yeah. So be ready for it. (laughs) The U.S. Space Agency, NASA, has landed a new robot on Mars after a dramatic seven-minute plunge to the surface of the red planet. The InSight probe aims to study the world's deep interior and make it the only planet apart from Earth that has been examined in this way. The robot's touchdown ended in an anxious wait in which it radioed home a series of updates on its descent. NASA's mission to con- mission control at California's Jet Propulsion Laboratory erupted into cheers when it became clear InSight was safe on the ground. The agency's chief administrator, James Bridenstine, celebrated what he called an amazing day. President Trump called to offer his congratulations, and the director of JPL, Mike Watkins, said the success should remind everyone that to do science, we have to be bold and we have to be explorers. InSight is now sitting on a vast flat plane known as Elysium Planitia, a close to the planet, the red planet's equator. Before landing, NASA had dubbed it the biggest parking lot on Mars. The first picture of this landscape came back very quickly within minutes. It showed a smudged fisheye view of the robot's surroundings. The image was taken through the translucent lens cap of a camera positioned on the underside of the lander. The dust kicked up in the descent, obscured much of the scene, but it was still possible to make out a small rock, one of the probe's feet, and the sky on the horizon. A later picture captured by the camera on on InSight's top side was much clearer. InSight entered the Martian atmosphere faster than a high-velocity bullet, using the combination of a heat shield parachute and rockets to bring itself to a gentle stop. InSight's first critical task on landing was to deploy its solar panels, which were stowed for the descent. The robot had to start generating power to operate its systems and to warm equipment in the sub-zero temperatures that persist on the red planet. Notifications of the panel's setup came seven hours after landing. This will be the first probe to dedicate its investigations to understanding Mars's interior. Scientists want to know how the world is constructed from its core to its crust. Earth is one data point and Mars will give researchers a different perspective on how a rocky planet can be assembled and evolve through time. So cool. Very cool. Yay! We just watched The Martian two weeks ago. Oh, cool. So then watching the landing, well, you didn't get to see the landing, but watching um, NASA and the team waiting for it to land and calling Mm -hmm. out. And you just think about how spoiled we are with the CGI effects and the abilities of movies to show us. So now, of course, I'm visualizing what's happening based on what I saw in this Matt Damon movie. (laughs) And I'm thinking, and and I turned to my wife and I said, if I was to design Insight... If I was the guy who designed it. Well, <laughs> first of all, it would have disintegrated upon leaving Earth's atmosphere. But if in my head, if right. I actually did a good job, I would have had a secondary unit that would have separated from InSight 
just before it entered the atmosphere of Mars, and it was just a camera unit that just right. took a video of it going down onto the planet and then sent that either to the, to the unit or back to Earth so that That's we could actually idea, see actually. it. Yeah. Because hearing them call it out, 20 meters, 17 meters, <laughs> 8 meters. But it's like a text adventure. It's just not... <laughs> it just... Yeah, there's the anticipation and the excitement and understanding what's actually happening right. here and how huge this is for science it's, and discovery. I, I just think it's, it's a giant step that yeah. they put all that money into the device, and the first thing that comes back is, ah, crap, we should have put wipers on that camera. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> One no, it's going to drop F-tier. the lens cap, Jeff. The lens cap will go. That's littering. But it didn't... <laughs> oh, by the time we get up there, Sasha, it's just going to be the whole... Planet is just gonna be covered in our junk. That's right. Yeah. We haven't got there yet, but <laughs> that's cool. Uh, according to CoinGecko, here is what the crypto market looked like uh, as of 1800 hours um, our time, Eastern time, Wednesday, November 28th, 2018. Uh, we've really seen a drop. Bitcoin has lost one thousand five hundred forty-eight dollars and twenty-four cents USD in the past two weeks. Um, of course, Bitcoin kind of being the base that other currencies are based upon, mm-hmm. we're seeing a drop across the board as well. Litecoin lost $9.22 US dollars, bringing it down to just $34.50. And I should say that Bitcoin went down to $4,241. So with that said, you know, how's my Bitcoin looking? It's not looking that great right now. Ethereum is down to $121.67 US dollars as of today. Uh, that means it lost $61.16 US over the past couple of weeks. Monero is down to 63.10. Oh, that hurts. Oh. And that then? lost $30.55 US dollars. We've also got the small guys, Stellite, uh, lost 2.58 ten thousandths of a cent, bringing it down to 2.57 ten thousandths of a cent, basically cutting it in half from where it was two weeks ago at 5.15 ten thousandths of a cent. Turtle coin is down to 0.57 ten thousandths of a cent, losing 0.16 ten thousandths of a cent. So it's just a fraction, Jeff. It's just lost fraction. a tiny bit. It's just a fraction. Well, see, that, I mean, you're going through this, and I'm like, yeah, my turtle coin's doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not, Jeff. No. But, but comparably, no, I mean. <laughs> just remember, everybody. Well, you everybody, didn't lose as much. <laughs> just remember, we can joke about it. The cryptocurrency market never closes, and it's always volatile. We've seen it dropping yes. over the past couple of weeks. And don't really know whether it's, is it people not really sure whether they can put confidence in it? Is various markets. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We're not going to touch on it, Jeff. Oh. Nice try. I saw that hand raising. <gasps> we can't touch on it because we do not give financial advice on this show. But Sasha. Yes, I would like to say big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. Thank you, everybody, for being here this week. It's so great to see you. So nice to have you here. Well, I guess I can't see you, but you can see me, but I know you're there. I see you in Discord. I see you uh, checking us out on YouTube and through our website, Category5.tv. Don't forget, as you are doing your holiday Christmas shopping, uh, you can do so through our website. Go to Category5.tv, click on Support Us, and then shop through our partners. You're going to shop on Amazon. You're going to shop on eBay anyways. Gearbest, Banggood, 
ThinkGeek, whatever sites you're using, if you go there through us, we will get a commission, and that supports our voluntary organization, which brings you free family-friendly content every single week, and we appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everybody. See you this same time next week. Bye.